you don't step beyond your, if you're so comfortable, if you think comfortable, your, your comfort and your security is like the pinnacle of the calling of Jesus upon your life, you are never going to experience other dimensions and facets of his goodness. You've wow. got to get uncomfortable. You've got to get places that are precarious, and that's where faith is needed, right? I mean, Hudson Taylor was famous for, for saying things like, there is no need for faith where there is no risk. Hey, welcome to the Kindling Fire. My name is Troy Mangum. Saint Ignatius said, the glory of God is man fully alive. Jesus said, it is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit. This podcast is here to bring God glory through you becoming fully alive and you bearing much fruit or having powerful results in your life. I believe you can use your unique gifts and talents to change the world. If you listen to this show and read our blogs, you will be inspired to take your own journey of faith to become a man or woman who is fully alive, making an impact in the world around you. I interview people that I think are awesome that are doing that today to inspire and to challenge you. You can do the same. Let's get rolling. Today on the Kindling Fire, I have David Joe Annis. I said that right, right? You did say that right. I'm proud of you, buddy. I've been working on it. We've been like pre-show. I've been all this practicing. So David, it took a lot of practice just to get to this point. I know. I'm such a great podcast host. You have no idea. (laughs) That's why I'm here. So the legend. So um, David Joe Annis, he is the uh, founder of Within Reach Global. And uh, author of a recent book called Mind of a Missionary. And you are in Chiang Mai, Thailand right now, right? I am. I've been here for about six years. In fact, just yesterday I got back from China. We'll probably talk about that. Yeah. I'm back and forth all the time. China, Thailand, yeah. in between. Yeah. And so how long, how long have you been in Chiang Mai? We've been here about six years. Uh my wife and I run an organization, like you said, within Reach Global, uh, that's been around for a number of years. It's, it was founded about 10 years ago. But yeah. before we moved to Thailand, we were in China for 15 years. Mm. So it's been over two decades that I've been living outside the country of my birth, America. Yeah. Wow. So uh, so we actually connected uh, vis-a-vis Instagram. Um, you know, you're very active on, on Instagram and other social platforms. And I just started seeing a lot of your material. Uh, and I think when we became came back as missionaries, I wrote an article about it, and you were like, "Yes," or I don't know what you said, and 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 I was we just started saying, "Hey, why don't why don't we get on the show together?" And so that's kind of how we're here. Yeah, I, I love those simple connections. I mean, we we share uh, hashtag passions, right? <laughs> we we probably hashtag the same kind of things: hashtag missions, hashtag mission trips, hashtag unreached. I think the thing I want to start with is. You've been a missionary a long time. I mean, how long have you been a missionary? Yeah. Well, well, I was part of Teen Mania Ministries uh, back in the day. I went on my first mission trip when I was 15 to Russia. I'm from Prescott, Arizona. Yeah. Suddenly, I find myself on the other side of the world. I'm in Russia. And then, you know, I just got bit by the missions bug. Yeah. Um, And, uh, in fact, I got to – maybe I should start with this story. I got to tell you, Troy. Yeah, please. Okay, when I was three years old, I was sitting down in Prescott, Arizona, next to my mom. She later told me this story. I was thumbing through National Geographic magazine, stumbled upon a picture of China, 
looked at my mom and said, Mommy, I want to bring bread to the kids of China, right? They just don't have enough bread in my mind <laughs> at that young age. And so fast forward 12 years, I was just turned 16, went on a teen mania trip to Hong Kong, smuggling Bibles into China, although we didn't call it Bibles, we called it bread. And tracks, we called crumbs. So my backpacks and roller bags and socks are loaded up with these crumbs and bread, Bibles and tracks, lugging them into China. I remember entering the labyrinthine turnstiles from Hong Kong into China, Shenzhen, and suddenly I looked out and saw all these people and I'm carrying bread to the people of China. And I remember the Holy Spirit spoke and said, you are bringing bread to the people of China. And that night, I just remember weeping before the Lord and said, you could have my life for, for China, for Asia. And that's that was one of the major launching pads that brought me uh, overseas nearly, well, more than two decades ago now. Holy cow. So I, um, I've had on the show a guy named Gary Barklow. He wrote a book called It's Your Call. Best book on calling I've ever read in my life. And one of the things that he says in that book is, is God stitches his story back in your in story as a kid. And I'm telling you what, like, you, that gives me chills. That's like before, before I knew you, before um, in your mother's womb I formed you, and I knew you, and I called you a prophet of the nations before you were even born. Like, God yeah. is in the business. I mean, dude, that just is huge. Like, like I, I okay, we're done with the show. <laughs> <laughs> nice having uh, It's great to meet you. Um, I think there's a lot of people that probably have, I call it in the mind of a missionary, I write about them similar uh, idea, but I call them divine intersections. So there's all these divine intersections, you know, throughout time and history and back before we were born and then inclusive of our story now. And I think there's a lot of people that have those divine intersections, um, but they perhaps don't step beyond the boundaries of their comfort zones. And so they're not in a place to understand or, or sense the nuances of God's calling. Mm. There, there has to be a crossing of boundaries so you can become uncomfortable and then recognize the bigger picture. And and that's what happens when you travel overseas. I mean, I'm a huge proponent of short-term, long-term trips. Yeah. Yeah. It, it definitely gets you out of, at least for me, it puts you in a dependent state. Because you're like, I don't know how to navigate what's going on, be it like how to get from here to there and some transportation or what can I eat that won't kill me, you know, or whatever it is. Here to there in the bathroom. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> what is the word how, for bathroom in this country? <laughs> yeah, I know. How many, how many languages can you say, where's the bathroom in? <laughs> The more, the more you can say more languages, that phrase, you are a true missionary. <laughs> That's true. You might just want to download Google Translate right now and say, where's the bathroom? And to translate to every language possible, just in case. Hey, you but, will be prepared. <laughs> but those kinds of, those kinds of things, when you are dependent on nothing but the Lord because of language, linguistic problems or cultural, whatever it may be. Yeah. Those are the kinds of things that bring out these these initial callings. Probably why, uh, what you just mentioned him, the guy who wrote the book, It's Your Call. Yeah, Gary Barlow. Gary had that story and many others. And I think a lot of people listening probably have those divine intersections, but um, perhaps have not sensed them yet. Uh, maybe it takes a stepping beyond your boundaries and borders into the unknown or the, you know, the places that are precarious 
Yeah. And the Holy Spirit is a loud space to speak. Yeah, and I think that's a lot of what I have a heart for in, in, in this show is to, through testimonies of people like yourselves that are living amazing lives, I'm not, you know, I'm not saying they're easy, but they're, they're, they're different, right? Different yes. than maybe yep. the norm. And it really cr- it sparks this desire in people. It did for me. Like when I would listen to shows or podcasts, I would be like, I'd love to do that. Right. Yeah, for sure. And uh, and so that's that's part of the reason I have people like you on just to say, look, there is a there is an adventure to be had with the Lord um, that if you are willing to say, here's my ticket, I'm willing to go. The Lord will say, all right, you know, that's right. (laughs) It it totally reminds me of uh, the book that Eugene Peterson, translator or interpreter of the, the message Bible wrote along uh, a long obedience in the same direction. And mm. that's what it is. It's, it's small steps. It's a continuous succession of small obedient steps. I mean, that. so that, that sparked my initial call to Asia. And, you know, after some time, I, I began to go uh, to different villages because I was, li- I was living in Kunming, China, that's southwest China, uh, right. soon after 1998. <clears throat> And I remember walking into villages, you know, I had been learning Chinese, I'm practicing, making mistakes everywhere I go, but stumbling along in the language. And I'd ask, have you ever heard of Jesus here in this particular village, maybe some ethnic tribe? And I remember one guy said, is that a brand of a soap? <laughs> and I had multiple conversations. It, it sounds funny, it sounds, but then you kind of... Uh, sense the awkwardness, you know, after you laugh, you're like, oh, I shouldn't have laughed at that because I sense the, the big reality of all these people who never, ever heard. I mean, they think Jesus is a bar of soap. They think it's a brand name of soap. They never heard of who Jesus is. And so that begins again, another succession of just incredible stories and the narrative of the lost world waiting and our position in response to God's call. And that's kind of been the, this, this theme from when I was three years old, wanting to do my little part, and now going to these places that have never heard the gospel, and being a small part of the big thing, finishing the task that Jesus gave us, you know? Yeah. So, uh, man, I got... My, you got like I got question explosion going on. <laughs> you, you, you know this feeling because you run a show and a podcast. Yeah. So uh, okay, we're hashtag I, missions we're, pulse. <laughs> oh yeah, go ahead. What is it called? What's your podcast? No, uh, that was a shameless plug. Missions <laughs> pulse, right? Uh, I shouldn't have done it. I regretted it. Or wait, did I? <laughs> Missionspulse.com. Hey, go follow Missions Pulse and listen to it right now. You can even stop this and come back. <laughs> Don't do whoa, 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 whoa! Don't do that now. I'm just kidding. The, uh, so where where was I? Okay. Um, so the, this is a thing that that is so um, so powerful is you just came back from China, right? And I think that yes, you put yeah, in yesterday. your post that you were in unreached villages. Like, I mean, so you were still like a lot of times you think of these stories like, oh yeah, the unreached, like you know, 25, 30 years ago. Sure. You know, but they're still unreached today. That is correct. I mean, for those who are listening, first step, head on over to joshuaproject.net. They take all this data and numbers and crunch these numbers. They're actual people, statistics of who and who is not reached with the gospel. And believe it or not, this day and age, I mean, there's over 2 billion people, 2 billion, not million, 
who have never heard the gospel. Large part are obviously in the 1040 window. That's where our ministry operates from. Yeah. Thailand, 95% Buddhist, 0.8% Christian. Yeah. China, growing Christian percentage, but the ethnic tribes and minorities left in the dust of our evangelistic efforts. And just uh, three days ago, I was with a team from California, and we were hiking through these villages that were no known Christians, zero Christians, no churches, no Bibles, no Christian radio station. There's no access to the gospel. How can this be 2000? I mean, 2000 years after Jesus left the earth yeah. with the command, after you receive power from the Holy Spirit, you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Translate it to your state, your zip code, your, your city. You know, you'll be my witnesses in Prescott, Arizona and Phoenix. Right and America, and to the ends of the world. Uh, it's still the call today, and the task is not even close to finished with two billion who've not heard the gospel. Yeah, yeah, that's amazing. So I, the thing that, that I want to see if you can capture or share, and this I only know this from such a small percentage of me being involved in missions, <clears throat> is there is a great joy in seeing the Holy Spirit use you to move in someone's life for salvation. I mean, off the charts. I don't care what kind of money yeah. you make. There ain't nothing like it, right? Seeing the Holy Spirit use you to bring others to salvation, to hear about Jesus for the first time, most powerful experience in your life. Uh, and then there's also this, this really sucks. <laughs> you know, like I'm sick or I'm struggling or there's difficulties in relationships uh, that I'm interacting with, you know, and this this great disparity between great joy and difficulty. Um, does that describe a little bit of your experience? Absolutely. And I'm glad you mentioned that because I think there's this glorification of the mission field. Someone recently messaged me, commented on a post on Facebook, said, you live such a charmed life. A charmed life. You know, because I was probably off in some exotic, unreached people group. Meanwhile, they don't know the backstory. You know, that I ate something on the side of the road of driving 15 hours, got diarrhea 50 times, was hospitalized near the Burma border where I almost died because there's there's blood all over the hospital walls and bed, the worst little village hospital ever. And yet after just this horrible food poisoning and travel and oh, God moves and you kind of are put in this remembrance that it's not because of me. Yeah. I'm just in the right place at the right time. I mean, this one of one of my trips. I remember going down to the Vietnamese uh, border uh, on the China side. Drove for about 15 hours in search of an unreached people group called the Yao Y A O. And what, I'm driving around Yao Mountain. After 15 hours of getting to the area, the third day, I'm driving around the mountains, Yao Mountain, looking for the Yao people. Could not find any Yao people on Yao Mountain. <laughs> and go figure. So, yeah, go figure. So the fourth day, I'm tired. I'm cranky. You could ask my wife. She'll concur. You know, I'm, I'm just like, what am I doing with my life? Driving around the middle of nowhere for what? You know, I'm, I'm just angry and hangry. And uh, I finally lean out of, the, out of the car, saw these three guys on the side of the road. And I said, are you guys y'all? And they said, yes. And I said, we're not going another mile. This is where we're stopping. Get out, start sharing the gospel. They want nothing to hear 
about the gospel. They, they don't want to hear about the gospel at all. And they were Yao. But these these were the people were finally, you were looking for. Yeah, I, I finally get to them, and they're uninter- disinterested completely. So I'm like, what a waste of what have I gotten myself into? I was just cranky, you know, and frustrated. <laughs> cranky and tired, missionary. And sick. <laughs> yeah, cranky missionary. Um, and And about five minutes later, this guy walks up the side of the mountain, banana and pineapple plantations as far as you could see, swooping down into the Vietnam Delta. And he turns around this corner where the shack where I'm sitting in the shade. He said, hey, I saw you. I saw you five years ago. This is now 2004, 1999. He saw me on the other side of the province. And I said, well, who are you? And he described how he saw me uh, bring a team to the restaurant he was working at bowed our heads, mumbled something, and said amen, and that was his initial spark of a gospel interest. Wow. So suddenly, there's this guy who's actually showing interest among the Yao people, and the Lord gave me a word of knowledge. I said, you've left your wife and left your child. You need to come back to them and, and get right with God, and he breaks down crying and gives his life to the Lord. And I just said, get in the back of the car we're driving back home i drove 15 hours he didn't have a pack of pack of any clothing with him and we drove all the way back he was the first of many disciples to come sent him back after two months of discipling him led his brother to the lord two months later led his cousin to the lord and and about four months after that they called and said we have 21 people who who want to hear more about jesus and be baptized can they come and be baptized and we realized we have a movement on our hands. That was the first of our seven outreach centers at Within Reach Global, all because of some hangry missionary from Arizona who made the decision to keep going, even though it was uncomfortable and it was just really a pain in the butt, you know? Yeah. But God showed up. It was pretty powerful. Uh, and now we have Yao people reaching other Yao people, third-generation pastors. So— there has got to be some secret in the Lord's heart about sacrifice and reward, uh, yeah. the willingness to to, uh, to I mean to to go through difficulty and then reaping the reward of of being willing. I mean, does that make sense? Yeah, I think it's what we were kind of alluding to a while ago, right? I mean. If you don't step beyond your, if you're so comfortable, if you think comfortable, your your comfort and your security is like the pinnacle of the calling of Jesus upon your life, you are never going to experience other dimensions and facets of his goodness. You've got to get uncomfortable. You've got to get places that are precarious. And that's where faith is needed, right? I mean, Hudson Taylor was famous for, for saying things like, you know, uh, there is no need for faith where there is no risk. Without risk, there is no need for faith. And coming from a man who buried seven of his children yeah. overseas in China, one in the Atlantic slipping their coffin off into the water, he knows what he's talking about. Yeah. Um, yeah. And uh, it's not comfortable. It's not. It's, so the person who wrote, oh, you, you live such a charmed life. I know. That Facebook, just, you know? It makes me smile. You come back to that, and, and we often— protrude one facet of the missions world yeah, and sure. so it's like wow it's exciting it's it's awesome and it is but there's other sides that that bring you to the far edges where only god could come through and the more missionary you become the mm. more you sense the need of god's supernatural yeah. calling and directive yeah the thing that i like in our 
this short stint as a missionary, like we had difficulties and in the worst of it, we would say, okay, it's time to preach. It's time to minister to these people. And I'd be feeling horrible, you know, uh, relationally or about myself or about whatever. And then I'd stand up and do whatever needs to be done just out of sheer obedience. And, you know, all these people come to Jesus, right? And the power of the Holy Spirit would move. And and then when, you know, I might post how these people came to Jesus, but it's like it was so much God because I was a wreck. <laughs> like I was emotionally yes. wreck. I was a, a relationally a wreck. I might've been physically racked with, you know, had worms or whatever. And, and then, <laughs> I'm sorry. Letting out a lot of information here. Bro. I know. I really, I didn't have worms, but, but I almost had worms. <laughs> well, Hey, even if you did, I would have totally felt a kindred spirit with you. Uh, we take deworming medicine every six months, so I'm, I'm right there tracking with you. You live such a charmed life. Hashtag I have worms. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> there you have it, folks. But, but, but I think that um, – But so I just I, – I experienced that in a very short window of time. Like you have – kind of gone the long haul. And I have friends that have been long-term missionaries, and, and I understand they're, they're suffering. Now, they have great words, but I, I'm talking too much. So so d- d- can you ex- help with people? Because people may not be called the mission field, but they are called to endure. They are called to, to suffer and to reap the rewards. Can you encourage people in that way? Uh, absolutely. And um, I, I have to say it, first of all, in the light of missions, because when you said not everyone's called to the mission field, I, I totally agree. We are all called. We're sent ones. And yeah. we all have a part to play in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria. And you notice the you notice Acts 1A is, is connected with a very important, important article and not or. Yeah. Not Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, or wherever you want to go, because those poor Chinese need your help too. No, it's and to the ends of the earth because God's heart is global. And so I I would just preface it by saying, you're right. Not everyone's going to go overseas, but we all have a part to play in this kind of epic mandate that he's given us. Maybe sender, maybe goer, holding the ropes for those who are going down. Um, But for those who, let's say, beyond the, the mission's call are suffering or struggling, or in a place of, you just can't find the light at the end of the tunnel. Um, You know, it's amazing, as you take these blind steps, or step, I I don't really like the the words blind faith, because I think faith has a a very purposeful direction, Mm. and that is Jesus. We have the kingdom in our midst, and that's our focus. And... um, but God is God is with you in those precarious places. In fact, I wrote in the mind of a missionary something like, God beckons us to go into the dark areas that the light of his glory might shine through us. And I also write a lot about how God rigged the world in such a way that victory can only be experienced through risk. Mm. So, yeah, you're in a dark place. You're in a place where you don't know where your next paycheck's coming from. That's where faith comes in, and mm. God is a good God. He's faithful. He yeah. knows what he's doing. He's, he doesn't have anxiety, and he doesn't have OCD, ADD, and all the things that we struggle <laughs> with, right? <laughs> Amen. Amen. So, so I'd be curious, as your motivator behind uh, the mind of a missionary, um, 
Where did it come from? Uh, yeah, what's, what's your heart behind it? Why did you do it? Well, yeah, I've been living overseas for more than 20 years, and I often have read stories of Hudson Taylor, Amy Carmichael, yeah. those missionary heroes of the past. And the stories that are written about them are generally very, shall I say, one note. They're not very descriptive. So Hudson Taylor is in England. He gets on a boat. The boat goes to China. China was big. He leads lots of people to Jesus. But I want to know what the wood feels like as he's holding the rails of the boat as it casts away from England and his mother's crying and the pains in his heart. So I, yeah. I tried to explore the underlying psyche and motivation in missions. Yeah. And I, I came up with three that there is an underlying motivation of compassion for the lost, hmm. obedience to the commands of Christ, and the pinnacle, the third one, the passion for the glory of God. And if it's not the glory of God, you're not going to last long because Compassion for the lost fails, you know, yeah. after the second year, after the after six months of being overseas, you're kind of quoting Spurgeon. If I were God and the world treated me as it treated him, I'd kick that wretched thing to pieces, you know, and suddenly compassion for the lost is not holding you down. And, uh, <laughs> you know, obedience to the commands of Christ kind of becomes this slow trudge through the valleys and you're uh, not willing to suffer for the gospel. But when I think we have a a real underlying motion uh, motive for God's uh, God's glory. It, it kind of really thrusts us out. And I've seen missionaries come and go over the years. And so I thought, let's let's put a book together that looks through history and present. Twelve guides, if you will, missionary guides. You know, you have everyone yeah. from Heidi Baker still living and ministering in Mozambique, Africa. Hudson Taylor is one of them. Amy Carmichael. And how how do they teach us about thriving on mission in our own context? Uh, maybe mm. not, you're not going to go overseas to China. Maybe you're not going to follow William Carey to India. But what do they teach us about thriving on our mission in our context? And um, so it's just my small offering to the world. But it was exciting to write because I interviewed over 200 missionaries from all over the world, read about 75 books dating back to 1600s. It was, it was exciting. And... Um, I had a, a lot of fun doing it and have a lot of fun sharing it. Yeah. Yeah, that that's a great that thank you. That that is a um it, John Piper I think wrote a book uh about missions being motivated by the glory of God. I, I can't remember the title of the book, but was it Let the Nations Be Glad maybe? Yes, that's what it was. And yeah. and, and the premise of the book was um let that God would receive the the uh, honor of that native language's praise, and, yes, and, and, yes, and and glory. And if you can be a part of that storyline, uh, what an honorable thing to to be a part of, right? Yes, yeah. So, um, so having interviewed all those people and interviewing people now with your podcast. Uh, let, let's just talk podcast to podcast here for a second. Let's do it. Yeah. So, I'm, I'm um, up for that. what would you say is something that, um, maybe surprised you or encouraged you as you've had as preparing for the book and having those interviews, anything that you learned that you're like, wow, like that, I didn't know that was true or, or anything like that. I, I feel like I'm. I'm constantly learning. You know, I'm interviewing some intriguing people, some well-known, some little-known. Um, a guy named Dave Eubank, 
who started Free Burma Rangers. He came into I, some notoriety. Remember? I, you know yes, I read an article about him in the Outside Magazine. That's right. Yeah, no, that was November last year. I think it was 2018 when he received some international notoriety for running headfirst into ISIS gunfire and saving a five-year-old girl with pink hairbands on who was still alive under her dead mother's burqa. And um, uh, Dave actually lives here in Chiang Mai. Uh, I'm going to have him on Missions Pulse again in a couple weeks here. You know, as I learn different people's stories, it's those stories that kind of keep propelling me to the underlying motivation in this bigger picture. I mean, I'm amazed why certain people do what others cannot. I don't necessarily have the gift of starting a children's home, but Dan Cornelius, who's coming on Missions Pulse in a couple weeks here, has 18, 20 different kids here in Thailand living uh, in his orphanage at children's home and ministering and sowing into their lives like I never could. It just, I think what speaks to me more than anything is we all have these unique giftings, abilities, talents. I cannot do what you, Troy, can do. You are uniquely created to impact the world uh, or the body of Christ in only way that you can do. And the, vice versa, maybe I'm the only one who could go down and drive 15 hours and, you know, somehow be used to lead a, a, a tribe to the Lord. And it's not because of me. It's just because we are gifted and those giftings and callings are irrevocable. So I don't know. I, I guess the biggest thing I see is this biggerness of the picture, um, multiple stories, multiple wow. giftings, multiple callings. It, it reminds me of a statement that we always say in Chinese, Qing Di Zhuwa. It describes a frog in the bottom of the well. And he's looking up and he sees his whole horizon, which is a blue dot above him. <laughs> he's deep in the well, and his whole perspective is just a blue dot. That's what his perspective is. Jing Di Zhuwa, the frog in the bottom of the well. And what we really need is that water of the Holy Spirit to flow inside our environment into that well, raise us up. And that's what I've been blessed to see in Missions Pulse podcast and my book. My horizon expands, and yeah. I see you and him and her all working together for what? The glory of God. So I, I'm about to get my preach on, so that's a pre-warning because you got me fired up. Um, all right, let's do it. So I, the, the, the passion I have for this show and the reason I do it is I want to be like a revolutionary to set God's people free. They are repressed, oppressed, internally, externally. God is not getting his due out of your life. Like there are orphanages to start, businesses to start, countries to reach. Um, there is so much to be done. And just because you don't have permission or somebody saying, okay, yes, I see that calling on your life, so let me make it easy for you. You, you don't have the faith, the fire, the passion Go. God has deposited such amazing things to change the entire world and every industry in you, listener. And, and, uh, and that's where he gets glory out of. And we keep looking to churches and organizations and businesses and said, hey, please make a, a way for me. Give me permission. You know, put your hand of anointing and pass on your mantle. Ah, you know, it's like, give me a break. And yeah. so, so I, um, yeah, what you're saying 
is basically saying, I've been exposed to God's creativeness in individual lives and how he's getting glory through their lives. I mean, man, I'm on board. Like, that is what God is, wants to do. Absolutely. And it frustrates you and it definitely frustrates me to see so many people who are living what maybe you and I would label a status quo life. We don't ever think we're living that status quo life. But let me tell you, if there's businesses to start and countries to reach and they're not happening in your life, you might want to pause and reflect and say, what am I not doing or what am I doing wrong that we need to change? I think that's the that's the whole point of this this podcast, this conversation. It's not to show how David Joannes, wow, this missionary to China. No, some homeschool kid bought a one-way plane ticket to China <laughs> trying to figure things out for the last two decades. That's really all it is. And what I've seen is God move where I can't. And everyone who's ever experienced these difficult things and some radical breakthrough, the charmed life, shall we call it, yes. will know there's a backstory and it comes yeah. through suffering and difficulty and struggle. I love the thought of not knowing where my next step is going to land. Or <laughs> I say that, but then when I'm in the thick of it, I, I hate that feeling. Yeah, you're like, <laughs> that's not what I want. That's not what I want. I want to be in control. I want security, right? Yeah, I'm gonna, you're going to play that podcast. And let me hear me say that again. I love when I don't know where my next step yeah. is going to land. <laughs> Why did I say yeah. that? <laughs> Pause that. Let's return. <laughs> I, actually, I hate that. But I you love, know what? I love the result. <laughs> yeah, I love the result. Yeah, I hear you. Yes. Yeah. Everybody knows what we're saying. We love the result, but in the thick of it. Um, God's not calling us to a comfortable life. God forbid we get to end of our years or you download face app right now and see what you're looking 30 years from now. And you know, you get to the end of your life and you're still living that status quo life. No, man, you're made for adventure. Step yeah. out in a precarious position and God's going to do amazing things through you. So I'm going to end with this. Um, so this is such a great missionary scripture and it's really being brought to mind is that when Jesus said, um, pray, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Pray to the Lord of the harvest that uh, you're going to help me out here, that God will send forth laborers. I'm like mm -hmm. mixing all kinds of translations. In that. <laughs> that sounded like the message to me. Yeah, so that, that God would send forth laborers. And, and what's so fascinating about that scripture is Jesus is telling his disciples, hey, um, look at all the need. You know, and, and uh, pray, you pray that the harvest, uh, that the laborers are sent forth into the harvest, i.e., you go. You know, he wasn't praying for other people to go. He was, he was talking directly to them. And so, I, I, you know, what's so great about that is the Lord, when God has stirred stuff in you, is like, you know, really something should be done about fill in the blank. You know, somebody really needs to start a Big Brother program. Somebody really needs to reach out to these kids. Somebody needs to start, you know, somebody, somebody, somebody. And the Lord just looks directly at you and say, well, pray that you are that somebody and that I send you. And we're always Amen looking for over, over others, somebody else to do it, you know? Yeah, here I am, Lord, send my brother. Right? <laughs> <laughs> send the lady behind me in the <clears throat> pew behind me. Absolutely. And I think sometimes it is better to ask forgiveness than it is permission. 
I don't want wow. any listener here to be that person who buries those two talents that God gave him and comes back with nothing more. The guy with five did a little more. The guy with 10 just did a little more. And it's not about you doing and earning some salvation. It's about knowing God's heart and joining his mission. Yeah. Being excited about the things he's... It reminds me of the story. This little boy went to his grandpa's house. And his mom and dad left him goodbye. And they went to the backyard. And grandpa said to his grandson, who's about five or six, we need to build a fence. Gives him a nail and a hammer. And says, I want you to just hammer this nail into this block of wood, this two by four. And uh, you help me build this fence. So all day long, that five-year-old boy is hammering that nail into that piece of wood. Meanwhile, grandpa builds this whole fence in the backyard. And late in the evening, mom and dad come home, and the little boy shows his nail in the piece of wood to his mom and dad. Said, "Mommy, daddy, me and grandpa built a fence." And that's the story of us, isn't it? Yeah. We do so such an infinitesimal amount of work, and yet God is the one carrying all the effort, yeah. and yet He includes us in His glory. You want to be included in God's glory? You want to share that glory which He promises to you? Stand on his feet and go for the ride, man. Yeah, yeah. Well, David, man, it is so great that you have fiber in Thailand so we can actually uh, have this conversation. <laughs> as far as how to get in touch with you, how do people find out about your book or about what you're doing or support what you're doing from a ministry standpoint? How do they get in touch with you? Okay, well, I appreciate you asking. Um, they could go over to davidjoannes.com. That's David, J-O-A-N-N-E-S.com. Go to withinreachglobal.org, search The Mind of a Missionary, everywhere books are sold uh, online, and then missionspulse.com, multiple ways. Missionspulse.com, davidjoannes.com, withinreachglobal.org. You'll find me, friend me, follow, hashtag I follow back sometimes. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much for coming on, David. All right. Blessings, bro. Hey, thanks for listening to the podcast. If you want more information on The Kindling Fire, go to our website, thekindlingfire.com. There you can learn how you can join the Fire Starters. That is a community that I'm sending free e-courses, Bible devotionals. We're doing special challenges to really help you guys move towards the dreams that God has placed in you. I'm also on Instagram at The Kindling Fire. And as always, be awesome.